Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss trailers, movies, TV shows, and all things pop culture. Today, we'll be talking about our thoughts on Amazon Prime's hit series, The Rings of Power. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and warden of great old New Jersey, Emmett. The North remembers. <laughs> we remember Governor Christie shutting down that bridge that one time. <laughs> Yeah, everyone else thought that was lame, but that was a that's a power statement. I respect it. it. Shut it down. Don't even let our citizens back. <laughs> Sir, don't you want to just restrict flow one way? No. <laughs> you know, politics aside, with with Christie, I feel like he's had some of like the funniest no, moments no, in political no. history. If you're about to say there's redeeming moments with that guy, <laughs> no, no, not redeeming. But like, I feel like that he's given us some good like historical comedy bites, comedy bites yeah, across yeah. The, across the years. Yeah, he's an SNL goldmine. Didn't he shut down the beach too, so that he and his no, family? Could... Yeah. <laughs> I, I forget when that was, but he did have like it was it was that he was on the beach when there was like a major I think it was the shutdown <laughs> lock uh, of the government and he was just like chilling on the beach. And then there was like his rack up of uh, hot dog expenses at like MetLife Stadium, too. <laughs> just like, oh, gosh, so perfect. He would fit in the Sopranos world, I feel like, as a, as an actual like main character. I feel no, like he, he fits fit in right like in. the Family Guy's spoof of <laughs> Sopranos. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Eleven eight edition. What is on your wall? Um, the one thing that's on my mind it's is actually eleven nine, not eleven eight. Oh, eleven nine. <laughs> <laughs> this is pre Black Panther premiere week. Woo! Um. So I that that's kind of on my mind. I feel like um, you know it, it's been a little bit of a rush. I'll, I'll confess something. I did not buy uh, pre-sale tickets until Six this tickets. week. <laughs> Wait, is it not sold out? Like I remember Spider-Man. You couldn't if you weren't first in line. You couldn't so, get tickets for like two weeks. So I bought my tickets uh, Sunday. I want to say and. If if I wanted a showing here, like in my hometown, uh, in the in any of the two theaters, but the one good theater over here, um, you're kind of out of luck if you want them now. But you you're still able to get them on Sunday. Wow. Uh, it was it was fairly open. It wasn't like completely booked, but like the edge seats, the the seats that nobody seems to like, but I always seem to want, <laughs> the one that's like away from people. Like that oh, part. I love a bathroom escape. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a small bladder, so I feel like anytime I sit down for, especially this movie is almost three hours long. So yeah, I, I need and, that. Answer. And I've also started sneaking beers into theaters. Uh, I don't know if that's a problem, <laughs> <laughs> but it it aids in the bathroom problem. I gotta see. I gotta do that. There's there's, there's a just, couple of theaters in the city that allow it. If they bust <laughs> me, throw it out. All right, it's fine. <laughs> Tear a hole in the can and just chug it right there in front of the security guard. <laughs> what <right> beer? <laughs> you ain't getting rid of my beer, sir. Wait, this is three hours long. I did not know that. It's like two hours and forty-seven minutes or something like that. So like, okay, but, but, but like, then there's like ten minutes of credits. Yeah, that's not full. You know, that's runtime. That's not. Yeah, true. But although I hear there's just a mid-credit scene. There's no after the credits. Uh, Stinger, such a dangerous thing it. to like google search because then you're gonna get what those credit scenes are yeah no I, I i was listening to um 
I was listening to a, a radio show host uh, talking about his excitement for stuff that's coming up, and he just mentioned that one of his friends told him. So I was like, okay, well, that's kind of out of the bag. But apparently, like, yeah, it, it's it, it's true. I saw this art- art- article from like Deadline on Facebook confirming it. So okay, they didn't say what was in it. I wasn't clicking in it. It was yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. mid credits. So I'm like, okay, well, cool. Uh, well, so what what tickets did you get? You going opening night? I'm going opening night. So tomorrow, Thursday, the tenth, um, and I'm going. Uh, I think it's like almost a seven o'clock showing at a Regal Theater RPX screen. Um, Regal Theater near you. And now I you have stuffs. Listen, I I was trying to convince. <laughs> do you have a Regal of, Pass as well? I do have a Regal Pass. <laughs> this guy's got two movie subscriptions. <laughs> Look, what is the, wrong with you, man? The regal, the regal pass is just seasonal. Okay, like I cancel that when oh it's not like yeah. premiered. The regal points time. are pretty good, though. Uh, I will say they are. I also felt obligated to support them given their like imminent bankruptcy. <laughs> I don't know how the one in my town is still open. It's such a surprise. They're not that well run, at least from what you know. Like I, I, I briefly had a. Uh, a, a job at the local theater here for a bit and it just I, I know for a fact that that manager still runs it very poorly <laughs> so it surprises me that that uh that my local theater still uh kept well i've never had an issue with amc but i've always had issues with regal for whatever reason so do better regal <laughs> but something we were kind of talking about before we started recording um you brought it up to me too but like the uh so usually and I think so. Growing up, right, the the midnight premiere was always like Thursday night into Friday morning, right? So like people would rush to the theater to see something that would premiere Friday, right? And then they started doing like Friday afternoon was technically afternoon to evening that was your opening night, and then it transferred over to Thursday. And so now, and until you brought it up, I thought I was just kind of going crazy, but I've been noticing that a couple of um of the more recent movies have been giving us like three o'clock, two o'clock, one o'clock showings on the Thursday of premiere week, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. Wait, so you're saying it used to be midnight on Friday. Yeah. So that like was going into Saturday. I feel like it used to be midnight going into Friday day. That was like the cheat code way yeah. of saying opening night. Right. No, sorry. I think I misspoke there. Yeah, yeah. It was it was Thursday but night yeah. going into Friday. And then they what? added like a 10 o'clock showing and it's like, okay, I get it. It's still pretty late and you'll end up after midnight. So it still counts as like the day of the release. And now, yeah, it's like I'm I, there's so many shows between three o'clock to midnight. And it's like, what is opening weekend now? And are, and are they counting these ticket sales in the box office stuff for opening They weekend? are. They are, but I feel like it's kind of cheating, right? Like if you're getting a like earlier, you can add six that. showings per theater. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely inflating sales. You know what could have used it? Endgame, so that we don't have to have this whole Endgame or Avatar as a top winning uh, movie of all time debacle. Or Morbius. Or more Morbius could have used the boost. Yeah, I think there's definitely <laughs> people at two o'clock on a Thursday. Begging to who see had, more. Who had time to see it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter if it's like counted in the ticket sales, because uh, I. It's been a while since we've seen a movie that has been like on the scale of of an Endgame or an Avatar. True. Um, 
Like that's what that's like three years old now, and we haven't seen anything come out post pandemic that we were like that excited for, except for Spider Man. Yeah, I think it'll it'll be a while before we see something like that again, or maybe we may never. I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to say. I don't say never. never. Yeah. <laughs> Avatar yeah. two's coming out. <laughs> Avatar two. If Avatar two exceeds Avatar one's box office, be, I, yeah, I just, I don't know I'll, where the logic. I'll give is up there. the pod. <laughs> <laughs> There's no shot it's happening. <laughs> or I just want to give up the pod. I don't know. Listen, I just uh, watch in like ten or fifteen years, we'll be coming back onto the pod, <laughs> talking about how Godzilla the third movie of a new trilogy, <laughs> Godzilla somehow, vs Kong, Redemption, yeah. <laughs> four billion dollars at the box office. I think it's like the the the, the, the one where they'll put Jet Jaguar into the movie. I think <laughs> I want to see a seven story man fight of Godzilla, who's yeah. in the rubber suit, played by another dude. <laughs> That would uh that would do it I think, right? Uh, no, uh, that it's definitely on my wall as well. I mean, Black Panther I'm super hyped for. I I'm going into this one with low expectations. I for some reason, like as well as Black Panther one was, I just feel like Marvel has been kind of doing us dirty recently. Where I'm like I have low or no expectations. Um, especially since like I don't you know me I don't really know the comic book lore so like. I don't know what to expect with this Neymar character. Neymar. <laughs> soccer yeah. player. I don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I want to say my expectations are low. Like I'm I'm tempering my expectations for sure just because of the, the recent couple of uh, you know, yeah. not in this, not all the way duds, but I feel like, you know, when it comes to measuring up to the rest of the MCU they were uh, but yeah, I'm I'm tempering my expectations. I wanted to at least like the bar that I have is like at least be as good, if not just slightly below the original movie. Um, from a movie standpoint, it's I really think... tough to make a sequel better than the prequel, in my opinion. I'm a, I'm like an originalist. I love the first of trilogies and all that. So to me, I that's why I'm like, it's probably not going to be as good, especially with like without Chadwick. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've, I've liked all the stuff that Ryan Coogler has done before he set foot on the MCU. So I like I I have confidence that he can do like a character driven story. But yeah, I'm also kind of I'm I'm more so curious as what they're going to do with without Chadwick. Because like and that's one thing that I'm trying to like separate from all this. Right. Because I feel like the cultural impact of that original movie is so hard to, to, to ignore when it comes to rating the film, too, because I feel like there was such a it was a cornerstone for the pop culture zeitgeist, right? I guess. Yeah. Um, so for this movie to carry that on, I think it's it's got a lot on its shoulders to bear, and so it can't possibly live up to the the hype that it, that's surrounding it. Yeah, that being said, yeah, I just want something to come back so they could come back to like true to form Marvel, you know. And as long as it adheres to that, I feel like we, we're in for a pretty good experience. Yeah, I mean, if we can continually get these little like doses of quality Marvel in this you know, quantity driven era that we're in. If you can give us like a Spider-Man one year, if you can give us like a Black Panther two the next year, like just give us one per year, one project per year out of these, like they're making like five, six things per year. Just give us one that's like a true quality drives the phase forward. Um, so you want a She-Hulk I, trilogy is what I'm hearing. Man, I'm not, I, I haven't even started <laughs> She-Hulk this series. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've seen no evidence on like Instagram and like all these shorts like to to make me want to see it. Yeah, no, I, don't you know. sh- no, <laughs> don't try and right here. Listen, all I'll say is if you're ever in for like a decent comedy, there's your cup of tea there. Um, all right. That's all. <laughs> when I'm at my lowest, that's when I'll put on shield yeah. twerking. Yeah. Um, can I real quick on my wall? I, yeah. I, I, I second Black Panther, but I got to put this one out here. I just started it. I'm like three quarters of the way through. The Redeem team on Netflix is absolutely what I need right now. If you were like me, you're a basketball fan, and you were watching the um, – like the Jordan series on ESPN. Uh, yeah. What was that called? Blanking on it. Uh, Air Ones. <laughs> whatever. You know, like the documentary that everybody was obsessed with during the pandemic because we like needed content. And it was also like it was coming at this time where everyone was debating like LeBron, MJ, LeBron, MJ. Um, yeah. When that came out, that was like everybody was in tune with that. Dude, this one is, like, on par with that. I mean, it's only one. It's a docu, documentary. It's not a series. So you're only getting one hit of it. But just to see, like, young LeBron and see, like, prime Kobe in interviews. Oh, man. I love this stuff. That, so is 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 he the centerpiece or the center focus on this series? Is it is it Kobe Bryant or is it LeBron? That it's more the on? team. It's uh, oh, okay. Cause we, it came off of like losing the 2004 Olympics and like kind of being a little bit of a dud since the dream team in 92. Right. Uh, so the 2008 was like the comeback year that they called like the redeem team with like Carmelo, LeBron, Kobe, like all these dudes. It, it's like such a stacked team. Um, and it's, it's really cool too. Cause it's like, it takes the, like a little bit of analysis where like when you look at the dream team, like you want to say like, oh yeah, USA was awesome. Then it's like, no, they were doing it because they were trying to promote the NBA. They weren't doing it for like patriotic reasons. Then yeah. the, the redeem team comes around because we lost like a couple and a few in a row, and it's like, no, that's for like American pride. And I I remember watching that series. Like, I, usually when I rewatch these sports things, I'm always like, oh, I forget how this one turns out. Like I know they win, but I don't remember how or who they beat. And this is like I remember growing up watching these guys. I gotta I gotta tune into that. I'm I'm always like a big fan of documentaries. And while I wasn't like very avid into basketball growing up, um, I think there was a lot that uh, from that era that's like very iconic to today's uh, world. I guess. Yeah, I feel like you don't have to be a huge sports fan to love a sports doc. Like, there's just such a element that you can connect to of just like teams coming together like getting in the locker room like that's why i love like the hard knock shows because it's like i don't care about the detroit lions but if you put a camera in these guys faces for like you know six weeks i'm gonna care about their third string running back trying to make the team <laughs> like and i know and like looking at this season they are what two and six or something like right right now like I know they're garbage, and I knew they were gonna be garbage. <laughs> but you like watch that show, and you're like, these guys could run the run the table here. <laughs> Documentaries are such a rabbit hole too. I feel like like uh, the minute they, they string you along, and then you like come into like one after the other. Dude, of, don't get um, me started on two thousand mules. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was watching that John Oliver uh, before I went to go vote on Tuesday. And I was yeah. like, are there going to be like militia at my, <laughs> at my local oh, polling God. station? <laughs> no, there weren't. There was just old people that didn't know how to scan my license. So, yeah, that was cool. Election election day woes, yo. Um, did did you uh, did you get your I voted sticker and just proudly? I, I no, I don't care about I voted sticker. No. I don't I don't do it for Instagram. I do it for my country. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is the first year I voted. Went outside, put on the sticker for once, and the and the one time I put the sticker on my sweater as I'm heading back home. Is the one year I get stopped by not one or two, but six people asking me where the nearest um, polling yeah. location is. You don't want to put it out there, man. You don't want to be known yeah. as the guy who votes. <laughs> <laughs> just do that. Do that stuff in silence. Uh, that lesson learned for next year. Yeah, just you know, take it home, put it on your fridge, look at it for a week, and then when you realize the results were nothing like you wanted. <laughs> All right, that's enough wall talk. Let's get into this, man. We got ten hour-long episodes to cover here <laughs> in a short podcast uh we are we are uh we are going to do a two-parter on this we're going to do just like our general thoughts on this series um kind of like some of the relationships between some of the characters the plot points uh we're not doing an in-depth every episode conversation but part two i think we'll probably look at like you know how it wrapped up and what our predictions are for the next season and what we're looking forward to so uh, stay tuned for that. But why don't we just get into you know your general thoughts on the th- on the series? I don't know if you want to kick it off or if you want me to. Yeah, I mean, I can I can kick us off here. All right, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, you, you lagged oh, there. You oh, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> um, honestly, so I think we, we had done one episode on the first episode, right? Um, for the series, I feel like, or we, we discussed it. It was on, it was on the wall. It was on the wall. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, like I, I, I got to do a better job of like looking back at our, at our, uh, at our archives here. But, um, yeah. So I, you know, b- based on my thoughts from then, I was not the biggest fan of the beginning of the show. I feel like we were off to like a little bit of a slow start with the first episode. That being said. Once we got into the second episode, I started to warm up a little bit to it. By the third one, I really started to dig it. And I think it's because, like, um, the characters were a little bit more established. I feel like the pacing was kind of corrected a little bit. The first two episodes for me were, like, a little bit too slow uh, for my taste. But I ended up actually really liking this show. Um, it, It just took me a little bit to really get to that point. And... I think I have I have my reasons as to why, but we can get into that as we're starting to as we start to talk about the rest of the series. But I think overall, this did a pretty good job of establishing this world um, and really like setting us up for for a very like mysterious season two. You you might have mentioned this while we were talking about House of the Dragon in an earlier episode, but this was a show that kept me guessing like what's going on. And it's one of the few things on television right now. It's this and Andor that I feel like I have that sort of like, I'm not sure what's going on next, um, but I am like intrigued to, 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 you know, to find out what happens next. And I think it kept that up, up until the finale. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think this is one of those shows that I haven't really felt like this watching a show since, you know, the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, where, like, 
pre-Last Jedi, when you're coming up with all these fan theories, like, I haven't done that for a show or for a movie in a while. Um, so that was a lot of fun, like, with some of my other friends. I was texting, a, like, back and forth, because I know you were a couple episodes behind. So we haven't really talked about, you know, too much in detail on this yet. Um, but that was one of the best parts, is, like, I'll say one of the best and also kind of one of the worst. Like, the problem is they only introduce so many characters in this show that uh, it's kind of easy to be like, that guy, I know that guy. <laughs> like the uh, the Leo uh, GIF or, or meme where it's like, whoop, that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so many of those moments. Um, and it's cool when you're, like, wrong on some of them. But uh, some of them, like, were kind of easy for payoffs. Um but yeah, I know I I loved how this thing started. I think I was in the opposite camp. Like I, I didn't care about the speed of it. What I really liked was it's a world we're fam- we're already familiar with. So you don't have to like walk through the whole map, basically. What what I liked is like it was dark tonally and like plot wise. Like people are dying left and right. Like Gladriel's losing everybody she knows. It's stylistically like they're going through like ice caves in the darkest depths of like the n- most northern tier of the lands. Like I like that, uh, and I feel like they deviate away from that a little too fast. Yeah, this is one of the most beautiful shows I've seen too. Like visually, I mean, with the budget, it has to be. But I a hundred percent agree. It's just surprising, though, because, like, you know, like, you always worry about scale when it comes to television shows. Like, yeah. regardless of how much money you put on there, like, you still, like, this This is something I, I think I would have liked to see, like, a condensed version of on, on a big screen just to kind of see what it looks like. Because, it, it, like, it, they, they use that money well from an environment perspective. Yeah, I think it achieved the same, if not more, than, like, The Hobbit does. It follows one person, like, one group of people across the entire land they did it over three movies that these guys did it over 10 episodes an hour long um but yeah i feel like they tried to cover such a vast space i feel like they didn't introduce enough characters to me it was like we're constantly just seeing the pair-offs it's like galadriel and halbrand uh elrond and um Durin or Durin. Elrond and Celebrimbor, and then it was like, uh, <laughs> what was the other one? There's like, it's always in groups of two. It's like, are we yeah. not allowed to see more than a group of three? The elf dude and his human honey and her son. Yeah, a Rondir, I think. Yeah. Leo was such a little. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. say it. Not safe for work. And the and the uh, was it the bartender dude with the. The technically is to play for <laughs> that the... guy had some that guy has a problem i'll tell you that much yeah. <laughs> uh, and oh th- this is why i blocked it out nori and i guess gandalf but like it, it's always in groups of two yeah. and it's like occasionally yes the, the parties were a little bit larger than two but it's primarily you're looking at main characters in pairings and i don't know it just felt like it was all it was nobody's singular journey like i wanted to follow galadriel and she always goes from interacting with one person to interacting with another person. There's no, you know, self-actualization, self-finding on these missions. There was, like, an effort to tie the storylines together towards the end, I feel like, right? Because, like, with the formation, <laughs> yeah. the, the whole Southern Lands plot and, like, 
you know melded melding into into Mordor and that kind of thing like that. Literally a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. <laughs> the fade effect. <laughs> There's there's some problems in this show. Let like let's be real. Um, which yeah. is sad to admit because it's a, what a billion dollars <laughs> that they put into this or something it's, like. It's it was a lot. It was a lot of million. money. It was a lot more money than I feel like they. It was it was so much that I thought Amazon was kind of out of their minds in terms of investing in it. That that being said though, I there's there's one thing I do want to talk about. Like you're right. I think the the pairings thing made it seem a little bit like almost like generic cookie cutter kind of format for, for storytelling. I think they were trying to play it safe, but that being yes, said, that's exactly it. That being said, I feel like I did find myself immersed into middle earth and, and the, and the world here. Um, mainly because like, so we've been talking week to week about house of the dragon and just kind of seeing every episode kind of play out week over week. Right. And our, one of our criticisms that we had was the fact that we didn't really get to see Westeros as itself. Right. It was sure. kind of like, three or four different sets and that's where you saw most of the action and most of the talking um over here you know you and you see the big difference right because like i was seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff with uh house of the dragon and they implemented a lot of the techniques that we've done we've seen through the mandalorian series in which they don't really shoot on location they they've shot on this like set where they have digital walls to display you know your surrounding and i think that's a neat thing to do but when you see it so often, it kind of almost limits the scope of your world a little bit. And then compare that to this show, which to me, it you know, I, I, I felt like that town was a real town and not like a green screen uh, generated town or, or village, right? Or like um, the environment that the orcs were in, like all, every single thing that happened, it felt unique and it had its own touch and its own flair and it, and, and it felt like a whole world. Uh, instead of a stage. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, being a victim of the time that we're in, comparing it to House of the Dragon, yes, it stands out leaps and bounds ahead where it's like, I think they figured out a good amount of time to spend at each location before flipping to the next where it didn't feel rushed, but it also didn't feel like, you know, we're lingering on this storyline a little too much unless it comes to the case of the Hobbits when you're like, all right, I don't need any of this stuff. <laughs> like, can we talk about them for a little bit? Like, yeah, this is probably the the biggest fan criticism. Um, and it's it seems like it's an obvious one because I don't know when people rewatch or talk about like Lord of the Rings, nobody cares about the Frodo storyline. We're all <laughs> in on like Legolas and Aragon and like the wars that's going on with those side quests while Frodo's doing his thing. And like, I don't know. I feel like it's obvious that like people don't care about this <laughs> type of a plot, especially when you make it so whimsical and like sing songy and we're drinking ale. It's like, yeah, I I want to be drinking ale, but not with you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go picking berries, Emmett? What the heck? Like, who doesn't want to go picking berries not with their with, best? <laughs> not with Nori. I I can't stand Nori and yeah. <laughs> that other friend i don't know who they are <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so interesting note and something that i think is we're gonna see throughout this series but i didn't know this until the other day but apparently amazon got sold only like the the 
like the appendices or something of yeah oh, i mean there's problems on the ownership level i get like yeah you can't show us anything with morgoth like the the stuff that we really want um, yeah i get that but i think so that's why i was confused as to why we're not just calling these people hobbits outright apparently like you you can't in the, the half foots <laughs> yeah like <laughs> which like i've heard hard foots har foots and half foots i don't know I, what these guys are <laughs> i thought it was half foots this whole time it could but be I, any yeah. of them <laughs> yeah i i could i really could have done without it and i feel like i'll disagree on that people don't care I, I i think there is a level like like for example frodo and sam in, in the in the original trilogy i guess if we could call it that um they were really the heart and soul of the movie, right? That was the moral point of the whole journey. But the reason why I feel like it was very impactful is because you were given the right dose of it instead of being like, hey, we're going to spend three quarters of, of the movie, of, of this particular movie, following Sam and, and, and Frodo. Because if you're reading the books, like that whole sequence in Return of the King on in the in the spider's lair, is substantially longer in the books and that while it works for the books because you have this moral dilemma being played out there between frodo and sam and the golem that's kind of like reduced a little bit in the in the movies because yes it will get boring <laughs> these characters aren't necessarily the most um action-packed or thrilling uh sets to, to kind of watch um they I, I feel like they tried to give us that with the introduction of the man from the sky which whose identity i feel like um that was was that the first uh character that we kind of got as a red herring for being like that could be sauron that that could be you know someone of, of grand evil importance because here he comes from the sky and it's all um, born of flame i guess yeah that was at like the end of the second uh but also like in the third, I think it was, uh, or at the end of the third was the buildup of Adar. So there was kind of like, is he going to be a Sauron or, uh, but yeah, I, I think most people were like the guy from the sky, he's wielding all the fire. He's got to be Sauron. Um, no, I get that. Like Sam and Frodo were the heart of the, you know, the a plot, but, I just feel like nobody really cares about them <laughs> when they're doing these little sing-alongs. Like, yeah. and nobody gets left behind sing-along in episode two. And then they go like, you know, our hearts are as big as our feet. Let's let's talk about the people we remember. And, like, nobody gets left behind. And then cut they leave 10 minutes. <laughs> cut 10 minutes. And the guy who broke his foot to help lift the tent is put at the back of the line because his daughter's a little bit of a rebel. Like, what are we talking about, people? <laughs> you make no sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, there was, like, that sing-along on, like, the map when it was, like, tra tracking their, like, steps across the, the land that they've crossed so far. Like, that I could have done in PowerPoint for 100 bucks. <laughs> you Like, if you paid me $100 million for that, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah yeah i it, that was really the part of the show that i feel like i could have like you know you could trim the excess fat there and i'd be totally fine with it like they could have gotten us a couple different scenes like they're more side characters than they are like main characters even and by it the end should of the story. be a character that's gonna be the main it, whether it's gandalf or if it's somebody else like i i don't know 
I mean, it has to be Gandalf. I, I disagree with, we were talking offline. You think it's somebody else, but I think they have Saruman. him delivering lines from Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. So, like, I don't know. You kind of have I, to go with it. I think it's Saruman. I'm it just makes no Saruman. sense. I know, I know that, like, <laughs> in lore, Gandalf didn't arrive first. I get that. <laughs> but they literally have him quoting lines that he says to the hobbits in Lord of the Rings. He, it's Gandalf's father. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Grandolf. <laughs> Look, I'm not even going to touch the whole lore thing, because I feel like we could be here for hours talking about how this show contradicts lore and also doesn't. And But that's, like, that is one of my main problems. Is like, I... I'm not the book reader. Like I read The Hobbit, but I don't know about this. Like, you know, it's better these, that you don't. <laughs> these older books, and it seems like it's such a problem because it's like, what do they own? What are they allowed to show? And then for me, like as a casual fan, like I have no idea when this takes place in the timeline. I remember in Lord of the Rings when, uh, uh, what's it say? Elrond says, "I was there three thousand years ago." It's like, okay. I have a time point, but I'm also hearing that this is only the second age or the first age, so that's a couple of thousand years. But it's like, I th- I, I tried doing research. I think it's like 5,000 years ago or like 3,500 years ago, somewhere. Like, that's such a huge range. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple thousand years at least. Uh, and then there, there's events that are happening in the show that technically happen later in the timeline, but we're not necessarily adhering to it. That's why I'm like, like I'm trying to separate this out from from that, right? Because like, there's certain you can't liberties. Can't do that though. It's called Rings of Power. It's part of it. <laughs> yeah, but then there's, you know, there's there's the established lore of the books, and then there's established lore from the movies. And I feel like if you're trying to uh, connect it to the movies, then that's one thing. But well, movies are life, Ivan. Books are <laughs> paper that can be burned. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be harping on the books too much here. <laughs> Um. Yeah. No. I. I'm. I was bothered by it a little bit more than I am now, just because, like I said, Lord of the Rings is one of those books that I read cover to cover several times throughout middle school. Um. Where did you have this kind of time? I was alone. My guy. (laughs) (laughs) Books were my friends. Did you ever see the sun? (laughs) No, I was actually very pasty as a kid. (laughs) Uh. So, but did you have like a problem with the timeline? Because for me personally. I felt like I was thinking constantly of that line where I was there 3,000 years ago. It's like, we're introducing Isleador. So it's like, these are my only reference points. And I'm constantly thinking about that while watching the show and getting distracted. But yeah, did you it, have an issue with that? I did have an issue. Um, but again, I, I feel like it's not much of a problem for me towards the end of the series. Just because I started being like, okay, like I'm just going to. Accepting. Check this aside. Yeah. The the Numenorians or whatever race Isildur and his dad are like they're not necessarily like very hu- like human centered. I've seen some people being like, well, if Aragorn's related to them, then how is how is uh, Isildur alive thousands of years before the events of him cutting off the the ring off of Sauron? Well, he's not uh, like the Sauron. the son of <laughs> like he's a descendant of. So, yeah. Like, he could go thousands of years, but it's also. He's from like uh, I forget what they call it, the Duna Die or something like that, right? Like, he's, yeah, he's from a race of people that live longer than normal humans. Yeah, and I don't think that was necessarily all that um, communicated, I guess, to to the audience in the 
Lord of the Rings series because like well, that was that in whole... the extended versions, really. Yeah, and, and the yeah. regular ones though, you just have the dilemma of like, oh, you're gonna die before your elf girlfriend, so no, y'all shouldn't mix together. But which is a fair point. I mean, you know, <laughs> why it's... why fall in love if you can't die together or die it's... right around each other? And I think I think there's something to say about Romeo and Juliet. I think they had they had something they, <laughs> you know, there. But yeah, like yeah, I, I was I was a bit bothered by it in the beginning. I, I just kind of like dismissed it after a bit because I feel like the more I harped onto it, the more I started finding like holes to kind of poke at the show. Um, and I think part of it is like you know I, I I get the the constraint that they're under just from a rights issue. So you know they taking certain liberties with it. And we'll see what what happens, I guess, uh, you know, as the seasons progress and all that. Um, one the character, and I th- um, let's just jump into her too, because I feel like this is a uh, Galadriel. This is her. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> what were you saying? Galadriel, I think, is the standout character for me from episode one all the way to the end. You mean I the main like... character is a standout character to you? Yeah, the okay. main character is a very big standout. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> no, I mean like from a from a like from a plot point. Of from view, a yeah. plot point standpoint, from an acting standpoint, I feel like like there was consistency there. I didn't really feel like I lost interest in her story throughout the entire time. Um, and she's very much like the connective tissue, obviously, throughout all these uh, different storylines that kind of come through to some extent, but. Uh, what did you think about seeing her in this state versus what we see her in in the future or would be future for um, Lord of the Rings? I think this is a portrayal that makes sense. I really enjoyed, you know, the acting choices that they had that she made, but then also the situations that she they put her in. Um, I think it makes sense for like, I, I and I'm also like curious to keep watching and see like when does she become so powerful. Uh, Obviously, I'm I'm guessing it's tied to the ring since she becomes a ring bearer. But there were moments where I feel like she's a little too naive. And I, I guess they attribute it to her just being blind to, like, her rage and her seeking for vengeance. But there are moments where it's like, you've lived, what, 2,000 years already? A couple thousand years? Like... I feel like you should be a little bit wiser than you are, even if you yeah. were like the commander of the armies, because uh, that would require some sort of free thinking and logical, like exploit your opponent's weaknesses. You don't really need Halibrand to educate you on how to like, oh, find somebody's weakness and then show them that you can help them overcome it. Like, well, why is this guy so special? I mean, I know why now, but... <laughs> <laughs> That was the first red flag. <laughs> this guy's was, educating her. He must he was, be. <laughs> he was mansplaining. Well, well, what did you think about like her? Like, were you on the same lines? Like the like the evolution of her character. I think it makes sense from a from a creative standpoint. It makes sense to to start off this way. It, it's a departure from what we see from the books of her younger self in the books and all that. Again you know chugging this aside and just going between the movies and this i feel like it, it's a natural progression um that being said yeah i i agree there's certain things and the choice to not say anything after the whole reveal of like hey um i figured out that sauron is here um 
that whole thing i feel like uh i'm kind of conflicted on right because i feel like as a as a character choice it seems a very selfish choice for her to like kind of keep that to herself um so it well, let's talk goes through that because i feel like it it could be seen as that I, I i think that's how i first watched it but thinking about it more it's like look at her character in lord of the rings when she's offered the ring she's tempted to be like become the most powerful person there is if i take hold of that ring i don't think it's crazy for her to be like persuaded by saron in that vision that she had where she had all those flashback moments i don't think it's crazy for her to be a little bit persuasive like keep this to myself until i know i have to act on it or until i give into it yeah i guess it's like like she seems out of everybody in this series she seems to know uh sauron the best right like she she's kind of like all right i more like she's dedicated her life to hunting all traces of, of morgoth down so to me it just seemed like like she she didn't really have much of an arc because in the beginning she's obsessed with destroying and like the 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 remaining followers of Morgoth at the end she's still obsessed with destroying any followers of Morgoth so much so that knowing full well that she's kind of playing into this plan that Sauron has laid out she's still going to go ahead and proceed it even like just so that she has that power and is able to use it uh, presumably i guess to to defend um you know the elves and 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 men but I don't know. To me, it just seems like she should know better by the end of this show. Yeah, I mean, it's a struggle for power, this whole series. Um, Elrond also comes to the same realization, too, and I think settles on the same thought. But I feel like it's consistent with his character from, you know, going back to, to Fellowship, uh, Two Towers, and Return of the King. That I feel like Elrond at some point needs to make that grad, like bump from... The very scholarly guy we see in this first season to the guy that's like battle hardened and kind of, you know, a, a little bit of a more aggressive, I guess, decision maker that we see in uh, up, up until Return of the King. Yeah, he's a very complex character because he is bec- he becomes this like leader of the of the uh, army. In the the final or the last alliance of men and, and elves at the beginning of Fellowship we see but when he's ruling rivendell he's very passive he doesn't want to get involved in anything really he just wants to like keep his people protected um so i I feel like the scholarly view of him in this is right it's just interesting how much he's just you know getting played where he thinks he's doing his own bidding or like this was the simple command of my king or to serve Kellen Brimbor and let me just go ahead and execute a plan that I think would work to build his tower. And then really, like, you look at back at all these conversations between, like, him and Kellen Brimbor or the king, and it's all manipulations against him to leverage his friendship to get this resource. It's like, I feel like he's a smarter than that character. Yeah, or at least, like... That's the other thing, too, is, like, we're, we're definitely getting, like, the early years of him, but I feel like he's too naive on that front to be the same character from Return of the King. But, like, I'll, I'll leave it to having more experience and all that within the next couple seasons to, to that, really that, get us to that point. That's but again, my problem. It's, like, yeah. they're a few thousand years old, these characters. You can't be, like, these guys are still naive. Like, 
they've lived 10, 20 times long, a lifetime of man, they should have some le- life lessons learned. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, true. That being said, though, true. there's really two relationships between characters that I connected to and, and enjoyed whenever we cut back to their time. And it was the first one being Elrond and Durin. I think these two together on screen balance so well. You have the perspective of the dwarf who's like very protective of the, of the minerals they're finding and like they have shorter lifespans. So it's like, you know, 20 years not visiting us is a huge deal versus an elf who, you know, you're living in your fancy woods and you come by every once in a while and it means something to you, but it's really like a, you know, a grain of sand in the hourglass it's not as much of a it's not as big of a deal but like these two together on screen not just like plot wise but also actor choice like actors that they put in there i think were the best part of the show yeah and i didn't even see young ned stark in in the uh, yeah. elrond for a bit like until like episode four i don't know when it was that i texted i was like i just realized <laughs> elrond is young ned stark from game of thrones yeah it, they got a few uh game of thrones people in here benjen was uh one of them i forget who he was sir benjen sir benjen stark well he was in the show he's not so much of a sir <laughs> <laughs> kind of the undead guy uh yeah but they they got a few uh game of thrones people which is like cool to see but um but yeah i loved the the whole any sequence with the the dwarves and the mines i was all about that that uh those scenes yeah, they they gave me um, Elrond and and Durin gave me like Legolas and Gimli kind of vibes, but a little bit more toned down and like more conversational than it is like quipping on each other. Yeah, but it was also like it was their own thing. It they didn't rely on like that same dynamic. I don't know it, mm-hmm. if I look back objectively, probably it was very similar, but it just felt different in, while watching it. You know? Yeah, they had like a different. Uh, connection to to one another whereas Gimli and Legolas at least in the beginning were very much like trying to one-up each other like that was yeah like like these guys their bickering is one-upsmanship as friends whereas Gimli and Legolas was one-upsmanship but as like we're going to start off butting heads and then we'll become friends so this was like the aftershocks of what Legolas and Gimli probably achieved yeah and that epilogue of the extended version of Return of the King (laughs) The other dynamic that I really loved, if you're cool with moving on from the door, yeah, and that I really want more of is anything with Adar, <laughs> the the elf who was tortured, who basically like was the foundation of, um, like be, like orcs coming into being, and I, I know it wasn't just him; it was other elves as well. But like, I loved everything about this guy. I wanted so much more. He's so strategic. He's like he's got feelings, but he's also like on this orc side of the uh, of the plot, where you know he's a baddie, but there's something you like about him. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the and that's the thing too. Like there were descriptions in the original books also about like the like the origins of orcs and like how they looked. Uh, they were corrupted from yeah, and the movies too. Yep. Yeah, and I, I never, like, this is the first time I see it where I'm like, oh, okay, I can kind of see the connective tissue. Even though, the, like, the, from the ears and all that, there was, like, a lot of traces of it. But 
Yeah, no, the, the, and and it was you know the, the character that I thought for for like a good two or three episodes. So I was like, okay, it's got to be Sauron, right? Like this is this is Sauron, right? Maybe. I never really, I never really built, bought into him being Sauron, as far as prediction wise goes. Um, only because I kept that line from like the extended version of the movies where like Sauron's talking about how the orcs came into being. It was tortured elves, so like that kind of stuck with me. Um, it was definitely a candidate on like message boards and whatever, but I just loved everything that this guy was in, and like I. When you go back to rewatch after you get the Halbrand reveal, like the conversation of them in the woods when he's been chased down, like you remember me, like that's so much more impactful when you know the truth of it. Because Adar is thinking like I killed Sauron, and even before that, like Halbrand says to Galadriel on the ship, like I was chased out of my lands by orcs, like, and she's taking that as oh he's on my side, but he he's saying it as like. You know, this thing that we created chased me away. Right. There's just so many layers there. That's why I loved yeah. it. It's like, that's the reveals that are great. It's not like, you know, calling this guy uh, who fell from the star Gandalf is a great reveal because it's like, I don't know, he's dressed in gray. He's saying these lines. <laughs> I'm going to go with him as Gandalf. Like, it's yeah. these little hidden things that when you go back and rewatch, that's what makes this show better. You know, really, like, a moment similar to that that really impacted, I thought, was, like, not, like, necessarily I didn't see it coming kind of thing, just because from, again, like, ultra Tolkien nerd, you kind of see it. But to see it finally come to fruition, the whole, this, you know, um, the, 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 the Southlands ends up becoming Mordor was, like, a huge, like, like it was a nice way to to, to you know, basically reveal the whole purpose of this and also kind of demonstrated um the tactfulness of the oryx there um but yeah like it, it's it's also i feel like this show has done something that i feel like i didn't feel too much in the hobbit movies and that's setting up the oryx as like an actual legitimate threat and not just like a nuisance that are just like you know because i feel like in in the hobbit I was always like, why are people having so much trouble with the with the orcs? It just seems like they're very like incompetent, right? Um, but then like in in this series, you see like the you get a little bit more nuance with them, and it was just so interesting to see somebody like um, the character of Adar get added onto here and add more complexity to a side that we don't really get to see all that much light shined on. Um, so I'm I'm interested to kind of see where they take that and how many more characters like that we get introduced here because they can take a lot of liberties here with the, with this time period. Yeah, I, I, they they definitely have a lot of options to introduce new characters, and I think fans would be on board for it. You know what? This is a great parallel for for comparison. Now that you've been saying that, like that kind of made me thinking. It's exactly like if you only watch the movies for the prequel trilogy of Star Wars. You don't really care about the clones because they're all identical. Like, that's orcs, right? But when you right. start watching Clone Wars, the animated series, like, these guys have personalities. They have, like, a reason t- for being. And then it makes, like, Order 66 so much more impactful because you've developed a caring for them. And not that they, they, they end up being the bad guys there. 
like not by choice, but like on this side, like orcs because they are they have like hideous costume makeup. You want to say that they're the bad guys, but there's going to be this element of like maybe I actually feel a little bit bad for their situation, and they just wanted like they can't stand out in the sun, so they just wanted lands that didn't <laughs> have that effect. Yeah. <laughs> well, that whole sequence to return a little bit back to what we already touched on, but like Sauron and Galadriel, that whole conversation that happened with the reveal, like Sauron's whole logic kind of doesn't seem far-fetched to me. Yeah, and I was I, like, well, I love sh- like movies and shows that can do that where they can take the bad guy who, you know, is the bad guy. You're already coming in rooting against them and they can give you like a little glimmer of like, okay, it's not that crazy. <laughs> Like, it's reasonable, but he's obviously evil, yes. Like, Galadriel sees right through him in, in that sense, sure. But then there's also, like, the just because he is evil doesn't necessarily mean he's not making good points on things, right? It's like the... Yeah. You know, there's been horrible people in history that have, like, started with rightful causes, but they just go way over the, you know, the, the amount they were supposed to. Um, and that's, like, the example set here. So I, I, I loved what they did with Sauron. Um, at the end here because like to me now what used to be like pure evil in you know the lord of the rings uh series is now it's still evil but it's like okay i kind of see how pure evil got to be pure evil and not just like a one-dimensional born evil die evil kind of thing you know like i I think uh this is a, a show for like i guess the times that we're in too where we're I feel like especially Western media, we've gotten really good about not justifying, but like looking into why people can do horrible things or characters can do horrible things, right? And where we kind of start from that, which is a stark contrast to where we were back in the age of like Tolkien when he was writing these books, where it was like very like like very like Judeo-Christian kind of themed of like good versus evil. And like as storytelling has progressed in modern times, it's been more like, okay, well, why did it happen that way? You know, like I think that that this show does really, really well. Yeah. What if we uh what if we finish up at talking about the ending of the show with the you know the namesake of the show, Rings of Power? It it takes them ten episodes, but they get to actually forging the rings. What was your kind of like reaction to the process of making it, but then Kind of that like movie poster quality shot of the rings. I like the I like the fact that we went from like the concept of having a crown for 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 the elves, right, to being like, you know, then you get the revelation and and you know she uh, Galadriel is pushing to have something a little bit more, basically like take a piece of that power just because she knows the threat that's looming. I like that. I like the fact that we didn't start the show with like, hey, we're trying to forge these powerful rings. Um, <laughs> From from the start, right? It was yeah, a development. They, yeah, yeah. They they save that for the end because like there's way too many shows and movies nowadays that like call attention to that title every single time that it they deem it so clever, right? Um. So I I, I like that we went from that progression. I like the fact that they tied like a justification for the creation of the of the rings here. Obviously, we don't get a lot of exposition to that in in the movies, but uh, here you're you're you have the why 
right? Whereas if you see Fellowship of the Ring and that's your only context for watching in this universe, you're kind of left with like, okay, well, why did <laughs> why did anybody think it was a good idea to forge <laughs> Rings of Power? Like, whose bright yeah. idea was this? Yeah. Um, so I like the whole thing because it, it was a manipulation it was, and the way that they, nobody deliberately took the audience and showed you exactly like to force you to connect the dots, but rather almost like with Galadriel, we're kind of putting two and two together once she realizes, hey, if Sauron was trying to forge something and now, you know, these people are forging something. And this one dude I just met seems to be very eager to help in this process. You know, maybe there's something there. Right. It all goes back to that conversation in the prison where he's like, find their weakness. And her reaction is, and exploit it. And he's like, no, like feed into it and show them how they can overcome it and how you're indispensable to that. So like the foreshadowing in this show is really, really good. I totally agree. I love the why behind creating the rings and like and the how like it went from something big but then we don't have enough materials so let's do something smaller and it has to be circular um so i like the how and the why i just wish i got a little bit better of the what because like i don't know what these rubies are and these jewels like (laughs) i get like some control certain elements but like i don't know why or what these things are and then you just give me like this picture of the three rings on a tablet. And I'm like, oh, it looks good though. <laughs> so like, it's just, it's just missing that last little element of like, uh, and maybe they said it and I just watched it like a little too fast. I didn't get to finish rewatching it. Cause that's the other thing I'll say, like, this is a tough show to rewatch. It's a lot of, uh, it's a big ass for hours. Yeah. I'll be honest. I, I gave a shot to watching all of these twice earlier this week also just to kind of you know in prep for the pod and this is one of those shows that i feel like you have to be paying attention to it because i i put it on as i was working and i couldn't because like i'm focused on trying to type out emails and then like i it's a subtitle show you need to see everything they're saying yeah that and also like the some of the like subtle visuals that that come into play there like are are very much key to like you know getting the whole point across here but yeah, it, it, it's it's tough to get through. It's also very long. Um, and if somebody can like take out all the half foot stuff, I'll I'll, I'll gladly watch. Uh, Harfoot. <laughs> yeah, Harfoot. Half foot, Harfoot, Horfoot. I, I don't know. Had a foot. Had that, a foot. That father had a foot. <laughs> uh, but then like by the end of it, I did like their plot line of like Nori is gonna go off with the Gandalf or the whoever that character is. It's very Hobbit, Hobbit and uh, Lord of the Rings esque, right? The wizard with the hat, with the uh, big with foot. the young person <laughs> that's very you know enthusiastic yeah, I mean, about it, magic. It, it's gonna be nostalgic for season two for sure. Um, but why don't yeah. we save that for like predictions and thoughts about season two uh, for our next recording? Any last thoughts on just like plot points, characters, or anything from the from the episodes one thing the i like very much that they connected Sar, uh, sauron and galadriel this way yeah i feel like it adds complexity to both of their characters that they didn't necessarily need but it's also like like i said this is modern story- storytelling and i feel like it fits like a glove to for this age 
Um, I couldn't help but think of like Kylo Ren Ray vibes. <laughs> yeah. I was almost like, you know, to some extent, I knew there were some red flags to this guy, but at the same time, there was part of me that's like, all right, so th- there's some, you know, there's something here, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I don't know what you thought about that, but like I've been seeing a lot of people comparing it to the the Kylo and Ray um, relationship. I, that yeah, we saw. I didn't really piece that together. I think it is interesting where it's like. It's so, especially with the the setup that they had for her character with her brother being like, there's only one way to know what is light and dark, and it's to venture closer to the source. And then you'll know for sure. So, like, I get that, like, being ingrained in her character. Like, okay, if the light is coming from beneath me, either that's the light source or it's the darkness, and I need to go closer to it to find out, and then I can pull myself back out. Um obviously the drawback there is like if you go too close to it you might just get sucked into it so i get that like these two characters gravitate towards each other i didn't really put together like a kylo ren and ray vibes but sure i mean everything's kind of been done before we're living in an era where nothing's that unique so i could see it and then last thing the this guy had two last things what the heck <laughs> the people that now are homeless because of the formation of Mordor, right? Are they we... were all dead, man. They were all <laughs> slaves digging the tunnels. They're all gone. <laughs> no, but seriously, they all died. <laughs> they we were already see... dead. Are we going to see the formation of Gondor though in this in this uh, in this season? Do you think that? I mean, Numenor like... was Gondor, just in a different place. <laughs> it had the same yeah. like white. Uh, the tower of Oskiliath or whatever that's called, like the triangular peak of the of the castle. They had the tree of Gondor. Like they had everything there. And it's interesting that like the daughter of uh, or the sister of Isleador is like the architect, right? She's like documenting everything. So I'm sure that's gonna be something in play there. Yeah. If they do, if they show us that whole process, that that'd be a really, really cool visual to see. Yeah, yeah. Not surrounded by orcs or having to be rescued by the Rohiriums. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, wasn't that Oskiliath, or I think I just repeated that, whatever that tower was where they retreated for the final fight with the orcs, wasn't that like the waterfall where Barmir is sent down or something? I don't know. It, it probably isn't, but a lot of the similar vibes are there, so... I would love to see that in season two, like a formation of Gondor and like kind of solidifying some of those roles that we're very familiar with. Cause some of this, some of the names of like these areas are not quite what we know. Right. And there's players in here that haven't really made any sort of step that I feel like they're just like saving up for, for um, soon to be storylines. Yeah. All right, so why don't we wrap it up there? Because I feel like we are getting excited to talk about like uh, predictions the future. and whatnot. Yeah, the future. The future. The future. It's calling. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we why don't we wrap it up here? Get out of the booth and uh, pick it up next week. We'll obviously be doing an episode for Black Panther as well. So we got uh, we got some content on the way. Yeah, we got quite a bit to to dish out here. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned. And as always. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.